Well, I'm not preaching today, so you don't have to hear me crying anymore. <laughs> but Brother Tony's going to be bringing the message forth. Been looking forward to that all week. Uh, like a, Tyler said, we're going to try to, with a lot of numbers out, we're going to try to reschedule the Lord's Supper to the end of the month. Because I think we had that Sunday anyway that we didn't have anything scheduled for, if I remember right. So let's get that word out and hopefully get everyone here, especially those that were you know, recently baptized. So really looking forward to that. So Nothing else, brother Tony? Good morning to everybody. Happy 2022 as we're already well into it. Hard to believe it'll be 2023 before long. We've got a new member into the old club. Sister D over there turned into the big 5-0. So welcome welcome to the club, D. Roger brought me to my seat. Okay. (laughs) She'll be expecting that now, Roger. Probably need it too, actually. But no, good to be here. Good to see everybody. You know, again, a lot to, lot to be praying for. A lot of people sick. Fortunately, this latest round of everything doesn't seem to be as serious with symptoms and everything for people. But still, obviously, for people that have other health conditions, obviously, there's always a threat there. So let's keep everybody in our thoughts and prayers. And I'm just talking to a few of the folks this morning. I'm hoping and praying that after we get through this spike and things, you know, ramp down here, hopefully that by this spring we can get back to a, another normal for a while and, and be able to enjoy some things. So just appreciate uh, everything everybody's doing, everybody's flexibility with schedules. And I think that's one thing that we've learned through this uh, for the last two, over two, almost two years now, is to be flexible. Uh, you definitely have to do that. So that's a good thing. All right, if you got your Bibles, we'll be in the 25th chapter of Genesis this morning. We'll read the last part of that chapter in a few minutes. I'm trying to, since I don't preach that often anymore, but still reading, studying a lot of the same things. I remember, I think, of three times ago, or two times ago from today when I preached, I preached about Isaiah and his call. And then the last time, it was basically about God working in us. You know, you know, basically we work out our salvation. Um, you know, through, and God works in us, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And they want to get into talking a little bit about integrity and appetites and, and the choices we make in life. And and this is this scripture I think really highlights that to me. So. You know, when you, when you think of integrity, there's all kinds of books and different things written on it. But to me, it's just simply, you know, I think one of the simplest definitions I ever heard was doing the right thing when nobody's looking. You know, doing, making the right decision, doing the honorable thing when nobody's looking at you. Doing the right thing, even if it hurts you, even if it costs you because it's the right thing to do. Even if it makes you look bad, it's, it's the right thing to do. Um, now, what the interesting thing is, so the, the, thing, the right thing, the thing you ought to do, you know, I've, I've thought about it, and we'll, we might get into this a little bit if, as far as the law of God in our hearts, you know, in some of the lessons over the next few times I teach as well. But how many times have you heard somebody say, or have you heard, have said yourself, you know, they ought to do that? Where does that ought to come from? You know, for all the people in our wonderful liberal world today who say there really is no God, there really is no right or wrong. If there is no God, if there is no truth, then there is no ought. Then there really is no right thing to do. You see how that plays? But even people, even people who do wrong things will say they ought to do this. People who cheat and have somebody 
in, the, in collusion with them, don't expect that person to cheat on them. I used to, I worked with a guy years ago that was cheating on his wife. He, he they kind of had they had moved apart. I mean, he had moved apart for a job, and they were separated. He ended up cheating on his wife. They had long they ended up divorced. Long story. But while the person he was cheating with was cheating on him. And I heard it was part of a conversation where I heard him complaining about the lady who was cheating on him for who he was cheating on his wife with. He's like, she oughtn't do that. And I'm thinking, well, you oughtn't be cheating on your wife either. So it's kind of funny how people, you know, even people who do wrong things, people who lie and cheat, you know, for business or whatever, they expect the people with them to be honest with them because it's the right thing or the thing they ought to do. So the baseline of that I'm trying to bring out is, you know, even in people who do wrong, there's an ought or a right thing to do. And where does that right, when you chase that right or wrong thing to do, it ultimately leads, leads back to, well, there's got to be a God. There's got to be an arbiter who says this is the thing you ought to do. This is the right thing to do. You know, we, we would have those long conversations with the kids in the car on trips, you know, like, why is this? And after you get through about a hundred whys, it always leads back to God, no matter what you're talking about. Because why, why, why? Well, finally, finally, when you get there, you get to God. So we expect in other people, we expect integrity in other people. We expect the other people to do the right things. There's things they ought to do. The other thing about integrity is that even though, you know, we talk about personal integrity, even though integrity is personal, it is not private. Because when you break your integrity, it, you know, when, you, when your integrity crumbles, it impacts people around you, especially the people closest to you. You know, you, you remember, I don't know how long it's been now, that big building that collapsed in, in Florida, that big apartment building. There was a problem there. There was structural integrity in part of, in part of, the, in part of the framing of that building. So when the, the one piece started to weaken, the other, the other pieces had to take more of the load, and they were not built to take more of the load, so the whole thing crumbled down. And so if you think about that, you know, if... For instance, if I break my integrity and, and the commitments that I'm supposed to make, it's obviously going to impact Missy. It would impact a lot of different people. And pretty soon, if everybody breaks their integrity, you have nothing left. So if there is no right thing to do, if there's no ought, things we ought to do, pretty soon we just have a chaos and pretty much a dog-eat-dog world where there, where there is nothing at all. I want to read just one other verse before we get into... Um, Genesis, back in Proverbs 11th chapter 3, you don't have to flip back or you can read this later, just one short verse. But it says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. And you know that when the Bible uses that term upright, it basically is meaning upright. You know, sitting upright, looking out, looking at the big picture as opposed to just looking at what's in front of me right now. You know, imagine if we made every decision in our life just based on what's good right now. Unfortunately, a lot of people do that. Most people who do that regret that. But instead of having a long-term bigger picture, you know, maybe I shouldn't buy that right now because there's things I'm going to need that money for later. Maybe I shouldn't do that right now because that's going to impact some things I want to do later. 
So kind of having that eternal perspective, being upright and looking out and keeping that big picture and trusting God to help you in those decisions is huge and, and vital. And again, so not just looking at now. Now let's, let's switch over and talk about appetites a little bit. Appetites compete with our integrity. Now when you think about appetites, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Food, exactly. When you think about sex, there's, all, there's a ton of appetites. I mean, there's winning, there's getting things, there's fame, there's acceptance. I mean, there's, there, there's a list of, of tons of them. And they're certainly not all bad, especially the food one. It's not bad at all. There's, there's good, but there's a ton of them. But oftentimes, saying no, we, we have that battle, we say no to the appetite to keep our integrity. Or we, or we forget about our integrity and we just dive in and give in to the appetite. Whatever it is. And so there's a, there's a constant tension and a battle there that, that we face every single day. Now a couple things about appetites. First of all, I believe God created them. He created us. He gave, God gave us those appetites. But, brothers and sisters, sin distorts them. Sin distorts them. You know, God gave us an appetite for sex, but God also gave us a way to utilize that rather than going out and sleeping with anybody that we see. He gave us the the institute of marriage to fulfill that in. You know, God gave us um, an appetite for good food and brownies, but he didn't expect me to eat the whole pan every day. You see, so sin and our own selfishness distorts those appetites. That God gives us. I'm thinking right now. There's a chocolate pie in the refrigerator. <laughs> Any of you ever do that? Just kind of think. What have I got in the refrigerator at home? And I guess we're a little bit warm, warped every once in a while. The other thing that, that appetites do is. They whisper now. You've got to have this now. Besides, because that chocolate pie might not be there later. You've got to have it now. With appetites, there's no delayed gratification. Do it now. Otherwise, you may never get a chance to do it again. And I mean, that's behind the advertising and sales technique you know, of the world we live in. And if you think about it, if you've got an appetite for advancement or, or obtaining something, integrity can be an obstacle to that because sometimes your integrity is going, or being, having a, uh, keeping your word and being, being a person of integrity is not the quickest way to get that. There's quicker ways to get that, but a lot of times it involves dishonesty, cheating, scheming, and other things. And so, so again, there's that constant f- friction there. So the question I want you to think about as we go through this this morning, what's guiding you? Is it your appetites or is it your integrity? You know, I read over there in the book of Proverbs and in, in Psalms too, but especially Proverbs. Love that book. Read it so much when I was a teenager and thank God that I did. Talks about a good name and the, and the value of that and, and being somebody that people can depend on and people who will do what. It's so important. So, so important. So what's guiding you? Is it your appetites? Is it fulfilling things that you've got to have now? Or is it integrity? So let's go ahead and read. I think this little portion of scripture here probably gives the best picture in the Bible of this conflict that we have. So Genesis 25, starting at the 29th verse. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. 
And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Edom is the Hebrew word for red, in case you're wondering. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now what, that last sentence there, and if I have time, I'll get into that more a little bit in the message, but that, thus Esau despised his birthright, that's, that's pretty profound in a lot of different ways. Not just in the context that I've been using, using what I said earlier and using the scripture, but that's pretty profound. So let's go with a little, little background here on this story of Jacob and Esau as we refer to it. It's about 1800 B.C., I believe, if I remember the timeline chart I looked at a couple days ago. These are Abraham's grandsons, Isaac's boys, if you will. Esau was the older one. He was a hunter, a warrior, a man of the field, you know, kind of the man's man, as I've said before. Jacob was the younger, was the younger. He was a thinker, a schemer, and obviously a cook. He was there cooking, cooking the stew um, one day as well. Now, you know, have you ever thought, how, whenever you refer to this story, how many of you refer to it as Esau and Jacob? What about Jacob and Esau? Do you know why we do that? It's kind of weird. If you, if you think about it, in the Old Testament... The eldest, the oldest brother always gets the honor, right? So really, we should be mentioning the older brother first. It really, the story really should be Esau and Jacob. But because of what happened in this little section of Scripture right here, it was forever referred to as Jacob and Esau. That flip. Now that, that and that's, I want you to understand a little bit about what this birthright meant because it was huge. It, it was vitally important. So... The, first of all, some of the, the benefits of the, of the firstborn privilege. First of all, and, and by the way, I think Tyler will be advocating to bring all of these back after he hears the benefits. The firstborn got double the inheritance. A double inheritance. So that's, that's a reason enough to bring it back right there. Second of all, the, the oldest had judicial authority in the family. So other than the father, it didn't go to the mother to make the choice next. It went to the oldest brother. So like if there was a family dispute and dad wasn't around, the brother could say, here's what I think and here's how it is. And they had to live with it back then. He had that judicial authority by just being the, just being the oldest brother. And then the third thing was they got the father's blessing. And that father's blessing was basically the conference of not only those first two things, but it was also thought to be a godly type of, of spiritual blessing just to carry on, you know, the name of God in the family. And there was, you know, spiritual blessings that went along with that. So there was a lot to that, to that birthright. And again, that's one of the reasons why that last sentence, and we'll hit again later, thus Esau despised his birthright is so profound because this, this is a huge deal. This birthright, people coveted birthright. It was, it was huge. So I want you to think about it for a minute as you, what we read there. We're talking about a bowl of stew for somebody's future. We're talking about a little bowl of soup for somebody's future. 
And you say, you know, who, who in their right mind would trade a bowl of stew for their future? And you think, well, nobody would. Well, Esau did. And how many bad trades, how many futures have been traded for maybe not a bowl of stew, but something as simple as a bowl of stew in people's lives? You know, how many times have we, you know, we always say, well, they ought to do this. How many times have we said they oughtn't have done that? Why would they have done that? What were they thinking? What in the world were they thinking when they made that decision? Obviously, they were being led by appetites. They were being led by things other than integrity. And if you, I want you to, the thing I want to think about for a minute, that one verse that I read there, the 34th, uh, then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went away. Now, I'm sure Esau was really hungry, and I'm sure he enjoyed that bowl of stew and the bread he had with it. But think about it. He's, he ate, he drank, he rose up, and he went away. So just in a very, very short time, that bowl of stew was gone, and so was his birthright. That's what I want you to keep in mind, folks, especially young people. Whatever seems so pleasurable and, and great to you right then, in a very short instance, it's gone, and so is your good name. In a very short instance, it's gone, and so is your reputation. In some cases, it's gone, and there is your future too, is gone. It's so important that you keep upright and let your integrity guide you and not your appetites. You see, huge. So Esau came in, he's been, you know, I kind of, they don't say there, but I'm assuming, my assumption is he's been out hunting in the fields all day. Just like our great deer hunters we have here in the church. Go out all day and then about kill themselves dragging a deer trying to get it back to wherever they can skin it at. I've heard stories of Bob about dying from that and Michael rescuing them and stuff too. Jamie having to say just what are you guys doing? <laughs> but he's probably been out in the field hunting all day. He's come in. He probably is really exhausted. He probably is really hungry. He's probably thirsty. I mean, he's probably totally famished as he comes in. So his appetites are fully engaged. He's, man, I've got to have food. I've been that way where I've got to have, man, I've got to have some food. Never to the point where I thought I was dying, where I kind of think he thought this was like a life or death thing. Uh, but he had to have food. Now, I've had firsthand experience with this. Not personally, myself feeling that hungry, but if you've ever went shopping with Missy Everett, you've experienced this. <laughs> I'm telling you what, the woman, if you try to take her out on a run or something, she'll be so slow, I can't keep up. You take her to a bunch of stores and man, she leaves me in the dust. Lindsay can vouch for this too. She leaves me in the dust. You know, there's a couple times we went away for a weekend or shopping or whatever. And I tell you what, it exhausts me. If I can find a chair and sit down, <laughs> and I'm happy. But there comes a point. There comes a point, and it doesn't matter what time we've had breakfast. There comes a point, and usually right before 11 o'clock, when Missy's like, give me food. I've got to have food or I'm going to die. And she gets really Hangry. I never knew what that word was until Missy Everett came along. Now I really know what hangry is. She's going to kill me later today too. 
And you've got to get her food, man, or it's a mess. Let me tell you. <laughs> and so, you know, it doesn't, birthright, she, whatever it is, birthrights, whatever, throw it out the window, just give her food. And just after a short break, you'll be right back in the shopping thing again <laughs> until time for the mid-afternoon snack. So that's, I mean, Esau was hungry. He was at the point, you know, you've been to that. You all felt that where, man, I've got to have food now. You know, you've got to. And then I always, what I always will say to them, see, you know, there's a lot of young children in Africa who have not had as much food as you had, and they're not nearly as bad as you are. She's like, well, I'm not in Africa, and I'm hungry. <laughs> so you've got to get her food. So he's hungry, his appetites are engaged. Now the other thing, when he, come, when he comes in, it just, you know, people have wondered, you know, was this a plot that Jacob had? Oh, a brother's been out hunting. I'm going to have a nice big bowl of stew here waiting. I'll bet he'll be really famous. It could have been, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. But he was a schemer. But Esau comes in, and here's this big bowl of, of red stew, lentil stew there going on, soup. And he, his, he's got, i got to have it. You know, says, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. Now, the other thing is, like I said, everything you heard me say about the older brother. I mean, people who are here who are brothers or sisters, older, younger can kind of relate to that. It was very rare, especially then, but even now, it's rare for the younger to have some leverage over the older. So when they do, they take advantage of it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, like the younger brother, like, oh, so you really don't want mom to know what time you came in last night. Well, let me see what I can, what, what can you do for me? And that's kind of exactly what, you know, Jacob's doing here. He's basically, Jacob's basically saying, okay, you want some of this stew? Sell me your birthright. You need some stew? Stew? Sell me your birthright. Now, you would think, Esau would say, yeah, right. I'm going to give you a double inheritance. I'm going to give you judicial authority in the family. I'm going to give you the Father's blessing for that little bowl of stew. Maybe it's a big bowl of stew. I don't know. Still, all of us, you would think, would say, yeah, right. Esau didn't say, yeah, right. He didn't say, yeah, he didn't say, yeah, right at all. Listen to what he says there. In the 32nd verse, I'm about to die. Of what use is that birthright to me? Now, how many of you really think Esau was about to die? He wasn't about to die, he was just really hungry. But we build up ourselves, we build up our case that way, you see. We, we build up our case. You know, he's starting to say, you know, hey, that's your future for a bowl of soup, but I'm about to die. What good is that birthright to me? I may never live to see it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And then I want you to think for a minute, what would you trade? What would you trade for that bowl of stew? What would you trade for that short-term pleasure? Would, you know, is it worth your integrity? Is it worth your reputation, self-respect, relationships, even your future? Brothers and sisters, like I said before, in their right mind, nobody would. But being led by the appetites of our flesh and our sinful nature, every single one of us would and could. You see. That's the other thing, brothers and sisters. When we see somebody who makes a bad choice, who's somebody who's made a bad decision, I would be very 
careful about sitting back and saying, oh, I'd never do that. But for the grace of God, folks, it's very easy. And anybody who's dealt and been tempted with the appetites of things and sins, it's very, very easy. There's been lots of, like I said earlier, lots of bad trades over time. You said, they did what? For that? They sacrificed that for that for this? Really? What in the world were they thinking? I'm about to die. He's just building his case. He says, you know, I'm about to die of what use or what good is that birthright right now? And I think that's what I would add. He says, of what use is the birthright to me? I would add on right now. It's a lot of use for him in the future. Right now, not much use at all. He's engaged in the here and the now. Esau's only looking at the now. You know, if you think about that, how quickly now is now, and then that now's gone in an instant. How many of you have ever, you know, you, you went through, I've done this, I've been every one of us have. There's something you just had to buy. Something you just had to have. Big, small, don't matter what it is. And then you get it. And you enjoy it for a real bit. And then you think, I really shouldn't have spent that money on that. I really didn't need that. Any of you ever done that? We do, we've all been guilty of it. That's why that good advice about you know waiting a few hours, waiting a couple days or three three days, I think it is, before you make a big decision. Like it's probably a smart thing. How much do you really want and need it? But that right now goes quickly. But we only look at it right now. We only look right now at it. And that now is gone quickly. I've got to have her right now. I've got to have him right now. I've got to have this right now. I've got to enjoy this pleasure right now. I've got to get smashed right now. I've got to get high right now. And then brothers and sisters, pretty soon that moment is gone. And then with it is your reputation, your integrity, and a lot of other things too. And then you think, why did I do that? Why did I make that stupid trade? It's because of sin distorting those natural appetites that we have and us not being upright and letting God lead and guide our directions, you see. Happens all the time. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now I hit on this, may hit on this again, but before I forget it, since it's coming to my mind right now again, I want to, there not be very well be somebody sitting out here today you know what I want to tell you? I want to make a little shift in what I'm talking about. I'll hit back into this in a minute. You, every single one of you sitting here right now have a birthright. You know what that birthright is, brothers and sisters? It's the right to be born again. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary to give you that right to be born again. And you know what comes with it? It comes with a great inheritance. You talk about a double inheritance in this world, it's nothing compared to what you'll have in heaven. It's eternal life. Eternal joy. It's authority. Those of us who are born again, we're, we're a generation of priests and kings. Brothers and sisters, here's what I want to tell you. If you've sat in this church house week after week after week, if you're sitting in this church house today and God's been tugging at your heart letting you know that you've been born again, every time you turn that away, you are despising your birthright. 
You're profaning your birthright. God's given you that right. And brothers and sisters, there's a point that comes when you profane it and you despise it too long. You'll go back looking for it like Esau did and you won't find it. Because it's not up to you when you do it. It's when God calls. is the only time you can be born again. So, you know, another thing Esau says there is, of what use is that birthright to me now? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean anything to me. It's kind of like he decides, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. It's kind of like what we do. We decide, a lot of us decide not to care when it's too late to care. You know, it's like, well, I didn't get that job. I don't care. I didn't want it anyway, even though you really did. But now because you didn't get it, you act like you don't care. I didn't want that anyway. That's kind of what he was, that's kind of what he's doing. You know, he's making making these excuses. I was I was, you know, Esau's like, I was dying. How many times think about some of the excuses people's made for the things they do. Some people like Esau, I was dying. I had to do it. I had no choice. Most of the time you had a choice. If I hadn't told the, if, but if I hadn't done that, she would have left me or he would have left me. If I hadn't gave in, they might have left, might not have been my boyfriend or girlfriend, or they might not have wanted to marry me. I had no choice but to lie. I might have lost my job. Better to lose your job. I had to do it. No, you didn't. You made a choice brothers and sisters and there's all kinds of excuses but when it comes right down to it you know what you ought to do you know what the right thing to do is and you choose not to and it's the same thing here with Esau so we make up these stories I had to do it I had no choice I was pinned in the corner and that's the only thing I could do and then we start believing that ourselves and then whenever somebody brings it up and says why did you do that we just start shutting them down We don't even want to talk about it anymore. The problem is, brothers and sisters, every time we compromise our integrity, every time we don't do what we ought to do, we just tear away at ourselves. We come come away with ourselves. You know, later on in the story, it's, it's Jacob who ends up with the limp. But brothers and sisters, every single one of us, every time we give in and sacrifice our integrity, we end up with a limp. We're not who we're supposed to be. We're not who we were. We're not who we should be. It affects us. It impacts us. You know, because of, because of these short things, that this one little scenario here that I'm reading to you, this family was ripped apart for generations. Nations and wars went on because of what happened right here. How many of you think, here's the other thing the appetites will say to you. It's no big deal. Just go ahead and do it. Nobody will ever know. It won't impact anybody else. I bet that's exactly what Esau was thinking. Yeah, the birthright. Yeah, that's that's just a blessing. Jacob can have it. No, this won't affect anybody. I wonder if Esau could have looked down through time and thought, you know what? This is going to cause two big different families. This is going to cause two different types of people. This is going to cause wars and loss of life and stuff for generations. Would he have still taken that bowl of stew? 
If you could look down through time and see the stupid decision you're about to make, the impact that's going to have on the people you love and people forever, would you go ahead and do that? No, I would hope not. But we get so caught up that it's just here and now. Brothers and sisters, that's exactly like I mentioned, the advertising of the world. They want you to think right now. Make the decision now. Buy the car today. Take the loan out today. Buy the vacation home today. Do it right now because you're not going to get that chance in the future. Do it right now. You don't have to do anything right now. In fact, that's one of the worst things you could do. You don't need to make that decision right now, you see. That's exactly what Satan and sin does. We have the lust of the eye. We, we long for things. Satan knows that. And if he can get us to just thinking about here and now, it's only tonight, it's only today, it's only this one time, go ahead and do it. It don't matter. Brothers and sisters, he's got us right where he wants us. That's why you've got to keep that uprightness and that long-term perspective and let your integrity guide you, like I read over there in Proverbs. You see, before this day is out, I guarantee you, you're going to have a battle between your appetite and your integrity. You know, it's something we, we joke about. It. You know, you almost think about it like a food diet. You know, you, some of you said January 1st, I'm my resolution, I'm starting a diet today. And sometimes maybe depending on if you go home and you've got chocolate pie in the refrigerator and lasagna waiting or whatever it might be. Somebody when you go to work or school tomorrow might be tempted to say, how are you doing on that diet? And you might be tempted to say, wonderful. I forgot about the five pieces of pie I had. It's that, we, we think about it in terms of that simple, brothers and sisters, but I'm talking about it in terms of more. The temptation to lie. The temptation to look at things you shouldn't be looking at. The temptation to be taking things, drinking things, doing things you shouldn't be doing. Nobody will know. It's not going to impact anybody. Yes, it will. Your integrity is personal, but it's never private. It impacts every single one of those around you, you see. They're going to try to get you, your, they're going to try, brothers and sisters, to get your future. And you, know, and you know what? The other thing is, when you're doing that, you're never who you really are. You're never, you're never, you can't be real in any of your relationships or anybody else. I was telling Missy yesterday, <laughs> most of you know I'm a big Pink Floyd fan. Wish you were here, the classic song. But if any of you know any of the history about that band, Sid Barrett was one of the founding members because of his basically bad decisions with drugs. He ended up almost getting, basically kind of almost ended up mental. Ended up getting kicked out of the band in, I think, 1968 or 69. That song, Wish You Were Here, is talking about the compromises he made. You know, did they get you to trade your heroes for ghosts? Hot ashes for trees, hot airs for a cool breeze. Did they get you to trade a walk on part of the wall for a lead role in a cage? And basically they're saying, hey, Sid, we wish you were here. Not you and your drugged out mentally state that we don't even know who you are. We wish the real Sid was here. That's what that song is about. How many of your families and loved ones, how many of the people around you need you to be there, the real you, with all your faculties and everything about you? Not compromised. Brothers and sisters, Satan wants to get you compromised just as much as he can because then he can use you. Then it impacts everybody around you. 
They want you, you see. I tried to get Tyler and Jared to learn to play both beginning parts of that song. They mess it up every time. Come on, guys, get on the stick. Every single one of us somewhat tempted to sell our future for a bowl of stew. Just like Esau was. And folks, like I said so often, you've, I, I don't care whether it was illicit sex, drugs, alcohol, food, lying, cheating, buying something. Anytime you sacrifice your integrity, in a very short time, that pleasure and satisfaction was gone, and so was your reputation, so was your integrity, so was impossibly your future. So was your future. The other thing I want you to understand is what you give up, there's, there's hope. What you give up, it's unretrievable. This is why it's important because you, you, know, if, you can't go back and not lie to that person. You can't go back and unhurt that person. You can't go back and fill that time up that you that screwed up. The, well, the impacts of sacrificing your integrity and giving in your appetites are unretrievable. But brothers and sisters, the good news based on the Word of God, it's not unforgivable. Amen. It's not unforgivable because we serve a living God who's just and able and willing to forgive us. You can't go back and unhurt. You can't go back and undisappoint, but you can so what's your bowl of stew this morning? What's competing for your future? What's, what is it that you're having a difficult time saying no to? Like I said, alcohol, drugs, cheating, lying, cheating, you know, the temptation. You know, I didn't have a chance to study. I'm really tempted to cheat on this test. Really? Is it worth it? One test? For your good name and your reputation? And the, here's the other warning I want to get to you. Some of you have probably been going through and sacrificing your integrity along the way. You haven't got caught. And you think, wow. You inside know you're not, it's not true. God knows. And folks, let me tell you, you're playing with fire. Because it eventually will catch up to you. Your sin will find you out. It eventually will. Your appetite says go. No big deal. Do it now. Enjoy it. Nobody cares. Integrity saying no. That ought to. That unction of the Spirit saying no. Don't do it. You see. What's hanging in the balance for you? For Esau, he had everything. A descendant of Abraham. A nation of nations. He had everything hanging in the balance. He sold it for a bowl of stew. And we think, how stupid. How many bad decisions and bad trades have we made or seen people make? What is it that's keeping you from doing what you ought to do? I've had people tell me, I don't know what I ought to do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You know what you ought to do. You know what the right thing to do is. It's just hard for you to admit it. And sometimes it's hard to do because it might cost you something. 
It might, it might mean, you know, no, I'm not going to lie. It might cost you your job. It might cost you a relationship. It might cost you something. But brothers and sisters, your integrity and your good name should be worth more than that. So a couple calls this morning as they get a verse of a song. First one, first one is, some of you have been compromising your integrity. And like I said before, you might not have gotten caught. But you will. You're, pl- you're playing with fire. Is your reputation worth it? Is your future worth it? Whatever that little bowl of stew is that the devil's putting in front of you, that your own selfish desires is putting in front of you, I'm going to give you a little saying. Be through with the stew. Why not, why not come? I'm going to, and that's the first call I'm going to ask you as we sing. If you've been given into it, you've been, you've been given into the stew, and you've been sacrificing your integrity. You can't go back and unchange the things you've done, but you can come and get forgiven for it. And you can go start today, fresh. The other thing for, that I mentioned earlier, if you're here this morning, you have been given the greatest opportunity. You might think the greatest opportunity is getting into this school or getting this job or living in this type of house or having this type of car. No, the greatest opportunity you have is right in front of you this morning. It is the birthright. It's the chance to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And have that internal, not only guidance in this life, but brothers and sisters, to have a home in heaven. To know that if you leave this world, you've got a place to go. You'll open up your eyes in the presence of Jesus. Every time that God has called to you, and I believe as Brother Bobby said and preached so wonderfully some of the, over the last few weeks, there's somebody who needs to be born again. Every time you push that away, you're despising and profaning your birthright. I beg you, don't turn it away today. Make that decision today to accept Jesus. You might not ever get another chance. So whether you're here this morning and you've been compromising and messing with your integrity and impacting all those around you and yourself, or whether you're just despising that right to be born again, as we sing, come down. And pray and ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to save your soul. While we sing one verse of the song. Don't be back. You know, you might be worse. Somebody might, oh, somebody might think, why am I going up there? You need to come. Come and be born again. Don't turn it away. Come and ask God to save your soul. Come and ask God to forgive you this morning. You've got that birthright this morning. Don't despise it and turn it away. And if you haven't been caught, it's only a matter of time. Come on.